ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WYLK. Hello, hello. Back for another Sunday at the Beer Geeks. Good time, uh, beautiful weather. <laughs> Good time, beautiful weather. We got, some, we got some weather going <laughs> on outside. Much fun beautiful. we'll have. Yeah. It's a, it's a <laughs> I just forgot how to talk this week. Yeah. So this week, though, is a really good show. Uh, continuing with the trifecta of the recent times with everything going on in the Boston, Massachusetts region, uh, we have Trillium Brewing. We're talking to founder, brewer J.C. Turo later on. Uh, phenomenal brewery, really much sought after, definitely just as much as Night Ship, and we talked to them last week. Uh, just a really great brewery doing some really awesome things. And, and George and I have visited it's another brewery we hit up when we were up in the Boston region, too, and picked up some stuff. So beautiful thing, a lot of stuff going on. So we're getting into all of that coming up, but uh, I want to get into a little bit of beer news first. Um, now, the first thing is uh, in Venezuela, they are about to pretty much run out of beer, but not due to lack of demand, but more from how it seems is due to bad government decisions. Uh, socialist leader Maduro is known for some of his poor economic choices that have happened recently. There is actually a movement now to kind of get the president out. <laughs> so it's beyond just the beer stuff, but this is just another part of it. Uh, but this time what's going on is it's involving the country's leading brewer, Polar. Uh, of their four locations, they just had to shut down their most recent, their fourth one yesterday uh, due to lack of ingredients. The other three had already been shut down because they just didn't get the ingredients that they needed in the country. So now all four of their brewing locations are off the rack. Don't mess with a man's beer, man. Yeah. Or a woman's beer, too. I mean, yeah. it just boggles my mind. How, how could you not have... The ingredients is such a weird thing. I understand that, you know... It, uh, it's hard sometimes for we take for granted the mm. stuff we have access to here in the states, and we're like, yeah, you know, how how aren't you getting the ingredients you need? But it just goes to show you, you know. Yeah, it's and, it's just one of those things that you see. And it's kind of like, well, that doesn't make sense. And as you read into it, it's like, okay, the way that whole thing is set up, and then seeing what else was going on in that country, which is a whole it's a whole political discussion that I'm not going to get into. But the weird part is, is South America is actually growing in the craft yeah. beer scene. Oh, yeah. A bunch of breweries are starting to pop up and make really big, robust, awesome beers. Most, a lot of Brazil, uh, mostly. Yeah. But I don't uh, think anything in Venezuela, no. especially not now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, so hopefully they get their beer and everybody's happy. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that one. Uh, another one now, we've had a few discussions on here with some of these kind of beers before, and it's just kind of, it's a headline grab, definitely, for some of these breweries to do these things, but using the weird ingredients. Uh, there is a brewery, Seven Cent Brewery from Australia, recently brewed a beer with belly button lint, or as they call it, belly button fluff, which I don't know which is <laughs> better or worse. The fluff. Yeah, that's, that's kind <laughs> yeah, of my thought, fluff. too. I like saying the lint because it just sounds a little better because there's, man, whatever. But anyway, uh, they released a beer. It's called Belly Button Beer, so they really went out on the ledge for the uh, name. Uh, it's you. They made it using yeast that they cultivated from their own belly button lint. Uh, it's a Belgian wit style, spontaneously fermented <laughs> with orange <laughs> zest and coriander. Yep. First is, question I have is... Where what's this belly button look like? You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what, my first because there was that they that one brewery made the beer off of um, with body parts. Little, yes, and it was yep. they used a model so, yeah. to make to soften the blow. You know what I mean? Like where's this? <laughs> where's this? Uh, where's this lint coming if, if from? If you, you knew what, what I mean? we were talking about, is this you coming would, yeah. from like you know like uh, uh, yeah I don't know Jessica Biel's belly button or Danny Vito? Do you know what I mean? What's going on? Oh, I don't know. I might want to try Danny Vito's belly button. <laughs> it's got potential. It's a short stack. Come always, on. It's always sunny and belly buttons. <laughs> Rum ham flavored. All right. So, 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 
some of the new beers coming out. Uh, now, there's a collab between Jester King and Tired Hands, the old Philadelphia area brewery, uh, called Cloud Feeder that just hit shelves now. Wicked Weed, another great brewery we've had on here, uh, has another new beer called Hot Burglar, which I just love the name. Uh, it is a, an IPA brewed with blood oranges and grapefruit. And Great Divide, another brewery that has a long-standing reputation. They have a new one coming out called Nadia Kali, a hibiscus saison. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see what they do yeah, with that you, one. Yeah, you think Great Divide, immediately go to Yeti and stuff yeah. like that, so yeah. you don't really think of Lake Lighten kind of farmhouse. Yeah, they've been branching here. out recently a lot with their new, their stuff coming out. They've really been stepping outside of uh, the core stuff, which is cool to see. And they got into canning and all that stuff as well. Yeah, that's one of that, those breweries that um, they're so close, but they're so far. You like get mm. outside this area, you can find it pretty much a, a bunch of their offerings everywhere. Upstate New York is riddled with Great Divide, but nothing, nothing here. Yeah, we had it. Something happened. I remember not too long ago. It was pretty readily around in our area, and then something I don't know. All the stuff that happens from time to time. Pennsylvania is what happened. Yeah, pretty much. Probably that's I would. <laughs> <laughs> I think most of the breweries, most of the time, if they have any kind of issue with uh, production, it's just pull out of everything except for Philadelphia. It's pretty much the the tactic to save anything. And that's the bizarre part is that with with uh, Philly being so tied in with like the Philly beer week. Mm-hmm. And then this week is, you know, the Craft Brewers Conference in Philly. We do, if once you go to Philly, you can get beers that nobody can get anywhere yeah. else. You can get your Pliny's and, and stuff like that. But it's like only Philly, you yeah. know? It's, yeah. it's so weird. It's, it's, a, it's a bizarre thing, but there's pretty much anything you can find down there if you just kind of walk around. But I don't know. But the one thing I do not believe you're going to find down there is what we have today. This is uh, Trillium Brewing Company. They are from the Massachusetts area right outside of Boston. Uh, they have been really making some phenomenal, phenomenal beers. Uh, and we've been lucky enough to try many of them, thanks to George muling it for us back and forth. From yes. the state. George has made a bunch of runs up there. And then, as I said, we, we stopped up at the brewery when we were up in the Boston area. And uh, it's nice because they have two locations, and we'll get into all that. And one of them is basically, which is where we went to, is you just kind of pick up your bottles or fill your growlers and get out, um, But which is a great setup. Like, I, I really envy that because it's like, that's beautiful. You don't have to have anybody lingering too long and jamming up the works a lot and stuff like that, which is something, you know, I don't want to poo-poo on people for their love, but sometimes can get kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, the brewery. I can say it, the business can't <laughs> put it that way. The brewery's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they've only been around for, what, three years now, I believe? Yeah. And uh, they, uh, I mean, we always talk about it when you talk to the Night Shift and you talk to other breweries that are kind of like, whether it be Boston or D.C., about opening up in a city like that. Those They're kind of on the edges, like, Trillium's in it. Yeah. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, in it, in it. So to do that... To a point where you actually just have like a little counter that you just go in and sell yeah. beer out of um, is pretty awesome that they yeah. got that off the ground. And well, also the fact that uh, you can't do any tastings at mm-hmm. the one yeah. there. Yeah. People are just going in blindly like I did the first time and loved every single offering, and I still do. Yeah, and that's what, what's really grown with them is just you're kind of going. To be able to even have that really says something about your brewery that like people are, and, and there's constant turnaround, so people are trusting that and going in and out that much. So the first one we have in our glass right now is the the Public House IPA. It's a 7.3% ABV. Just a really nice, super balanced, super juicy IPA. It, it's nice. It's, it's kind of one of those, it, it walks, it, it's dangerously close to that line of that hazy IPA. 
without being super hazy. Like that's the whole thing. It, it just got a little bit of like almost looks like chill haze kind of to it. But yeah. it's it's not into that realm yet. But if it's just super juicy and like so much grapefruit and coming through. Yeah, it's totally um <clears throat> a new uh, old meets new kind of vibe going on. It's yeah. like it has a lot of that old school IPA East, East Coast IPA influences, but then it does have equal parts of that new school haziness in a way that it's just kind of like a bridge from the past kind of thing going on. It does not suck. No. these and the, and the one thing that the brewery is definitely known for and has kind of built the house on is their IPAs. That's the one thing that when you first hear of this brewery, you will hear about their IPAs because that's really what got people coming through for them. I don't know if that was one of the first things they did. We'll get in all that, but um, it's definitely the introductory style that they've become known for. They have a, a plethora of other styles that are just as fantastic, but that's kind of really where they honed everything into where people really came on board with this brewery is from these IPAs. And this is definitely has that vibe of it. It has that kind of East Coast style, but it, it just really, and I think what it is, is that there is uh, white wheat malt in this, which just kind of gives it that little bit of a mouthfeel and that little slight haze, but it hasn't gone full on into that characteristic of like a you know, super super, super hazy IPA. It just kind of got subtle hints of it. It has a really nice balance, and that, that <clears throat> fruit flavor comes through. The malts come through. It's just perfectly balanced, not overly bitter. Not, like It's just got a really nice dry finish. Everything you'd want in a good IPA. Yeah, with the New England IPAs, they're, they're, they're building it so you have that body, that haziness in there is kind of propping up all the hotness. Yeah. <clears throat> then it kind of coats your tongue, and it just kind of lingers very long. This gives you that same kind of vibe where you're getting a, those bursts of hops, but it finishes much cleaner. It does have a little bit of lingering does linger a bit but not as not much like as that, like a yeah. super hazy one yeah so well this is definitely a great way to kick off getting into everything with the brewery so what we're going to do first we're going to take a break and when we come back we're going to be joined on the phone by jc Tarot from trillium brewing company and get into all the great things that they're doing up there so stay tuned here on the beer geeks wilk did you know that some people who've got a ton of credit card debt actually don't have to pay it all off and most of them don't even know it to find out if you're one of these people for free Call Credit Associates now for free information. The number is 1-800-900-0664. Trust me, you're going to want to make this call before you pay another cent. If you have more than $5,000 in credit card debt and you can't pay it all off, you may be one of the people who don't have to. You may be able to reduce your debt to just a fraction of what you owe and all without declaring bankruptcy. Some people don't have to pay off all their credit card debt. To find out if you're one of them, call Credit Associates now for free information. Credit Associates depends on your success and offers a guarantee, so there's no risk. They'll even show you how much you can save for free. Call 1-800-900-0664. That's 1-800-900-0664. Call now before you pay another cent. 1-800-900-0664. Premium Midwest Beef is rolling their truck into the Wyoming Valley Mall parking lot. Right now is your chance to buy 20 ribeye steaks for 25 bucks. Yeah, you heard right. 20 ribeye steaks for just 25 bucks. Stock up your freezer for the entire season. Tell your friends, family, and coworkers 20 ribeye steaks for 25 bucks. And that's not all. There are incredible bulk deals on other premium steak, seafood, gourmet boneless chicken, and mouth-watering pork, as well as Jim Beam baby bag. Ribs. Just look for their big truck and the big tent in the Wyoming Valley Mall parking lot. Compare these deals to Omaha Steaks. Nobody in the Wyoming Valley can compete with their prices. Nobody. Don't miss your chance to fill your grill with premium mid
Midwest Beef in the Wyoming Valley Mall parking lot. Open from 10 a.m. until the truck is empty. Buy 20 ribeye steaks for 25 bucks or other incredible bulk deals on premium steak, seafood, chicken, or pork. And now, Jim Beam Baby Back Ribs. It's the premium Midwest Beef Truck Sale daily from 10 a.m. until the truck is empty. Only in the Wyoming Valley Mall parking lot. Comcast Business knows how to take your business to the next level. That's why we introduced Comcast Business Wi-Fi Pro with next-level speed, coverage, marketing, and control features, all designed to help your business run smoothly. But we didn't stop there. Instead, we took it even further, which is why Comcast Business Wi-Fi Pro offers what Verizon's business Wi-Fi doesn't, remote access, advanced security, and access to over 10 million hotspots nationwide. Looks like taking your business to the next level starts with ditching Verizon. Give your business an edge with Comcast Business Wi-Fi Pro. Call 800-501-6000 today. Comcast Business. Built for business. Restrictions apply. Available with Comcast Business Deluxe 50 and above. Call Comcast Business for details. having some good beers and just kind of sitting here discussing all their good beers and beer, 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 beer. It beer. doesn't suck, man. No, it's just good not, Sunday. It's not a bad thing. Beer's awesome. So we are now joined. We have on the phone with us from Trillium Brewing, we have uh, founder, brewer, Mr. J.C. Turow on the phone with us right now. J.C., how are you doing today, bud? I'm doing pretty well. How's it going, guys? Oh, doing great. We're having some of your beers, which uh, definitely is a good thing. Cheers to that. <laughs> so it's getting a little bit of, of your background and everything. Now, you were a home brewer in the area to start with. Like, What really kind of got you going down that path before anything? So you, you, you probably talk to a lot of different home brewers, and they, everybody, everybody dreams about what it would be like to go from the five-gallon batch uh, on, in your kitchen to you know, a, real, a real actual brewery. Uh, and that I just we just I couldn't shake it, and my 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 passion took me to basically putting together a business plan, doing all kinds of research, going to see spots, you know, working with a real estate agent. Uh, that's what I did for fun. Um, <laughs> so it just kind of naturally evolved into something that had to be. So what was it that was there like a beer that you had that got you into home brewing? Did you have a, a buddy that was home brewing that you, you tasted home brewer? Like what what really opened up your palate, I guess, and kind of made you want to get into that? Well, I had always really loved making things um, myself, most mostly cooking and that kind of thing. And a friend of mine um, showed me shared with me some of the uh, uh, some naturally fermented cider that he had made um, from uh, from a local orchard and. You know, I, I never really thought about that as an aspect of things that I could make at home, you know, bread and ice cream and those kinds of things. Yeah. And then he showed me that, um, and it was it was really a special thing that didn't seem to be otherwise uh, like any of the commercial cider I'd, I'd had. So, of course, I bought a bunch of books, went on the Internet, and just started geeking out on, on all things fermentation. So you have kind of the, the nerd brain, I guess we'll call it, that just yep. took over on you. Yep. Uh, always a good thing. <laughs> so, yeah, man. How how long were you homebrewing them before you really kicked off into doing the, the brewery? Not a not a real not a, not a ton of years. We um, it was probably about three or four years or so. Wow. Yeah. So I had made all the uh, all the beer for 
uh, for my wedding, um, the vineyard where we were married in, in Stonington, Connecticut, allowed us to uh, to bring in um, bring in the beer, and I kind of evolved the the brand of the homebrewing blog that I had into making beer not just for myself or for some kind of experimental reason, um, but for a group of people and for special times for a special event. And I really just we just really loved that process, and we. We uh, the vineyard was a special place to us, and we um, we really identified with what the owners had had done with the with the vineyard, and it was their kind of their life dream to to open the vineyard in, in Connecticut, and uh, you know, and during the course of the honeymoon, um, we just kind of started talking in that overly romantic way about you know what if we could live our life stream and not wait until retirement, we can kind of transition into what our careers are now and to and to start getting going on that now so that's uh but that was that was the extent of the discussion about whether we were going to do it or not and just we just kind of went for it wow no that's always a great thing so are you from the boston area then i grew up in a very small town about an hour south of boston called the Kushnet. Okay, so what made you choose the locations that you did then? Because uh, we had night shift on before everything talking. Like it, it's and I, I had gone to school up there, so I'm very familiar with the uh, the rates, and it's not a cheap area to kind of no. set up shop. So what what kind of led to that decision to to go to the locations you are at? Yeah, I've lived in Boston for quite a while now. Um, so it's where we it's where we live, and we have our family there. Um, and you know, I I had my career overlapping with Trillium for a couple of years, so um, that you know where we were rooted needed to be a real, a very kind of realistic thing. I didn't sort of have the the pick of the world as to where we wanted to set down roots for the initial iteration of Trillium. So um, I had, I had done all the all the research and gone to, gone to see all the different places uh, from Dorchester to Everett and Chelsea and anything that came up in between. So um, we had we we gotten quite close to a couple spots in in Everett until this uh, spot on Congress Street right in Fort Point in Boston came up and we uh, nothing nothing could possibly beat that location. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. the one the location I want to talk to you about because I hadn't been up. Now I went to school there about ten years ago, so I the of course the whole city changed, and we, we were up. We stopped at that location about two months ago. Yeah, going down to that area, the revitalization that has gone on is kind of mind blowing because I remember that being just an empty, abandoned area that you there was no reason to go there. <laughs> that's what happened when you bring good beer to a place. Yeah, that's like were, were, were you guys were you, you single handedly reshaping Boston? Yeah, were you? Part it was us. Of, we, it was. It was us. <laughs> We, we totally we totally take credit for the complete revitalization of Fort Point and the seaport area. No, of course not. It was uh, we saw we saw it was coming. So another reason why we were so excited about being there. I mean, it, it had the bones and the structure for for allowing for that kind of revitalization. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got in just in the nick of time. Uh, I mean, we we tore down the old steel roll up doors, and those were completely covered with graffiti that was. Yeah. 15, 20 years old. I think if you still go on Google Street View, you can see what it looked like before we opened. Wow. I may have changed it by now, but I yeah. mean, I, I, I saw some pictures. Of, it was a complete shithole. It was, it was, it's all good. <laughs> I, I remember that very much. That's why it was kind of one of those areas like you you passed through, but you never had a reason to really stop, I guess, without you know, trying to sound too mean about the area. It was just, there was nothing really going on there. So seeing all those stores and seeing what's going on is just a really awesome thing. That's where I was wondering 
where you were at on the timeline as far as moving in there with that? Because I'd imagine trying to move in there now would cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah, it's, it's basically not possible yeah. anymore. <laughs> um, you know, Esther and I bootstrapped this thing. We took every every penny that we had saved up and put it in. And, you know, it took us close to 14 months just to get the building permit in Boston. That was that was a real slog. Uh, that, that was a tough part of our timeline. Um, and then once we got the building permit, we were open within about six months or so. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, since we've opened, row 34 came in, um, a couple of new apartment buildings. You know, the building across the street was largely abandoned for many years, and uh, now it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful new hotel. So and all, these new, all these new buildings are just popping up uh, uh, through the Seaport Square development as well, very close by to Fort Point. So was that the first location for you guys down in that area? Yeah, that was just a, a little over three years ago that we opened in March of 2013. Uh, we started with uh, just two 10-barrel fermenters and uh, grew from there. Wow. We just opened our new facility in Canton, which is right around 30 minutes outside of Boston. Um, and that's uh, a much larger production facility. But we also kind of maybe we overreact a little bit. Uh, with you know what is our broom closet of a retail shop in in uh, on the Congress Street spot, uh, but we put in four thousand square feet uh, for a front of a house, so we can um, kind of be much more comfortable. Couple, you know, two sets of bathrooms, the whole thing. Everything's <laughs> very very cozy there, and you can serve beer. Uh, we do samples right now, yeah. and we are working toward um, a couple of different things to be able to start to do full pours. And there's a couple of hurdles left to go on that, but we're um, we're getting closer and closer for that too. All the joys. So, when you guys first opened, like, what were the kind of the initial beer offerings that you were really building things on? Like, did you have kind of a following built built upon your homebrew background, or or was it kind of something you were just throwing at the wall and just seeing what we we're going to go with? We, uh, so during those 14 months, 14 plus months, we had a great relationship going with Greentown Labs, which is a green technology startup incubator, which was also based in Fort Point at the time. They have since expanded and moved to Somerville. Um, And they donated some space to me uh, in exchange for what? Free beer, of course. So uh, we had stored all of our brewing equipment. I, uh, I and, a, and a, group, a group of guys uh, had made a bunch of pilot beers there, and they were. You know, we used that time to refine our recipes, um, get feedback from um, people who didn't know me, which is pretty important, <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, start to try to mimic what what I understood professional brewing um, equipment and practices would be because they're extremely different than just throwing a bunch of wort into a carboy and letting it letting it rip so um learned learned a lot from from that intervening time so what was kind of the first as you got going and then the brewery started kind of getting its its legs the first beer that really you saw take off for you guys so the first uh, beer they released was the eponymous uh, Trillium Farmhouse beer, and um, it was it was a pretty incredible thing. We I guess we had built up quite a quite a good following on social media, and you know people kind of looking down the alley to see if we were open yet another day, and we weren't, of course. But eventually, uh, when we did open, we had we had that beer, and we went through an incredible amount of growler fills. We did a launch at the public house in Brookline. 
which is a Belgian leaning uh, uh, pub. And we've become pretty good. I'm actually driving back from Allagash. The owner uh, just got married at, uh, at Allagash yesterday. So um, become really good friends with them. And that, that was the first place that served our beer. Wow, that's awesome. So what, what was the inspiration for the name for you guys, too? That was the other thing I wanted to kind of get into a little bit. Yeah, so you mentioned it before. I'm a, I'm a kind of an inherently a nerd whenever I approach lots of different things. One of those things I just really loved... Um, botany <laughs> and uh, landscaping and all kinds of fun things like that. So uh, Trillium had always, um, I had always kind of uh, thought that was a really interesting, unique North American woodland wildflower with this incredible uh, variability, but also symmetry and balance across the species. So um, it just became a symbol for what we were trying to achieve not only in the beers that we brew, but in the uh, in the culture behind um, how we uh, we operate. So the new location, uh, you, you go from was it ten to what are you thirty barrel system now? Yeah, we have a thirty barrel DME uh, system there. Okay, and then and, and with the new one, is it more um, producing more beer at this point, or a bit of produce more beer and get a bit more experimental? Because I know you're trying to get a lot more sour stuff off the ground and things like that. Are you you're kind of branching out in a, in a different styles now with with that more production? Um, well, the, kind of all of the above. We um, we're last year we made twenty five hundred barrels out of uh, the Boston location which is a minor miracle given the, the, the functionality and the, the old dairy tanks that we're using uh, as part of the production system there. Um, so the, the, first, uh, the, the first effort out of Ken was to kind of uh, get the, the production volumes up to meet some of the, the demand that was out there that we were leaving on the shelf. So, um, But we're also... Um, Socking away quite a bit of beer into our into our wild and sour program, uh, which we have actually quite a bit that's um, maturing now out of coming out of Boston. Uh, we haven't put any wild beers that, uh, out yet that have been brewed in, in Ken, but uh, you know we've got some beers that are well over a uh, year and a half, two years old that have been kind of sneaking out here or there. But nice. you know if it's just a, a barrel or two or a ten barrel batch and it only lasts a day or two, people don't really seem to notice it. Um, but that, that was a very big intention is when we originally founded Trillium is to focus on the, the farmhouse wild and sour beers. Now, with um, with that in mind, like the Four Point location, what's the future hold for that? Like, is it, are you going to do it more experimental? Are you going to do production? Are you going to turn it into more of a place to go and be? Like, do you have future plans or just keep it the way it is? We, we because of some of the infrastructure uh, in the place, we, we would have changed it a long time ago. To, to kind of make it a little bit more visitor friendly and kind of operationally friendly, but they're just they're, it's just lacking that that option. So for uh, for, for now, uh, the visitors' experience is going to be the same. But we've changed the types of beers that we brew out of there. Um, you know, before almost all our stainless was all all clean beer, but now it's ninety percent uh, wild beers and. Uh, uh, we do. We're doing a few more pilot batches um, of uh, of hop forward beers uh, for new kinds of hops that we haven't brewed with yet. And we um, we actually brewed our uh, a pilot batch for our 30th anniversary double IPA called Dialed In, um, which we did a uh, the pilot batch is called Speed Dial out of out of Boston. <laughs> we made a couple a couple tweaks there, to, uh, and we that's the first time we've actually ever done 
a pilot batch before going to quote unquote a full scale batch. So that was a that was a cool thing for us to be able to to get um, to go from uh, concept on paper to a finished beer with an actual uh, pilot experience first. So what's the distribution like for you guys right now? Like, where can people find a lot of these beers? We've got a list uh, on our website with a, a roughly 15 bottle shops and 15 restaurants. Um, but that's all right within Massachusetts, mostly within the, the greater Boston area and um, a few a few spots in Worcester as well. Awesome. And you, you said you're driving uh, back down from Allagash. Uh, you're not. Uh, are you coming down uh, Philadelphia way this week? Are you going to be down here? <laughs> We're actually going to go pick up our kids uh, right now. Our folks uh, <laughs> watch them for us this weekend so we can get away for a couple of days. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's get, let's get into a little bit of beer. Because right now in our glass we have some Congress Street from you guys, which is the, the beer that I was introduced to your brewery through. So what was kind of like to, – to, we haven't really had, had this discussion yet. I'm, I'm wondering to you as a brewer, what's the, the – difference for you? Because to me, I would classify this as kind of like that New England hazy IPA that's really taken off for a lot of people. What, what is the main difference in that kind of versus what we've known as like an East Coast style IPA or a West Coast, if you will? Um, so, you know, I, I never, you know, I never apprenticed at another brewery or, you know, I never understood real well how a certain, you know, given brewery had had made beers, so uh, Four Point Pale and Congress Street, which were our, kind of our two, our first two hop forward beers, um, they they happened as a matter of uh, circumstance. So it was a combination of uh, our, our house yeast, our, our cellar practices, and um, recipes and the hops that we were using. So they kind of natural, naturally gave the appearance that they gave, and... Um, you know, they were a little jarring at first. You know, particularly Congress Street, we, we find that Galaxy will will throw a pretty significant haze. Um, they kind of evolved out of our out of our practice. It wasn't um, oh. it wasn't sort of derivative of or an attempt to replicate anybody else's beers. It kind of happened uh, on their own. That's what I was wondering if there, if there was, because a lot of people I know have uh, dropped Hill Farm set as an inspiration for getting into all this. But like, this is definitely it, it falls into that. But you're saying that, that's a really awesome thing that it was. It was just kind of a natural uh, thing that occurred. It wasn't intentional at all. No, yeah. I, well, I, I do say that um, I, once I had Double Galaxy at the public house's uh, hop head throwdown, however many years ago, uh, I, I knew after after the first case that I wanted to have Trillium's IPA feature Galaxy Hops. Uh, of course, I couldn't get any for quite a while, and that's why it took a little while for us to have any at any considerable volume. Um, so that, that's that's how we chose Galaxy, but otherwise, I, you know, like I said, uh, I had my full-time job, young family, and a brewery, so there was really no time to spend, um, spend kind of apprenticing or even hanging out with other brewers. It was kind of us figuring it out on our own. And then you are talking about making Congress Street and how it wasn't like you're trying to replicate anything or trying to duplicate anything. And, I mean, it really does come down to you're making, everybody's making beer with basically the same kitchen. It's just like a chef. You know, there's good chefs and bad chefs. And it's, it, it, when you do that, do you think it's an inherent kind of timing thing with hops when it comes to, like, the whole New England thing and, and knowing how to utilize that at specific times? Or is it more like there's a steadfast kind of recipe to it? Um, so... 
you know, there's a certain set of rules that 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 exists to make uh, to make certain types of beers. Mm-hmm. So um, we decided pretty early on that we didn't necessarily, you know, we could use them as reference, but um, and guidance, and uh, we 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 knew that we didn't we didn't really need to follow anything. And actually, anything that we that we changed in order to drop haze out. Uh, seemed to lessen the, the flavor and aromatic qualities that we were working so hard to get into the beer. So the the appearance really became a secondary thing. Um, and, you know, don't get me wrong, the first time we made this beer and poured it into a glass, I, it was a little jarring for, for me. Uh, you know, how, how is this going to work? Are people, people going to freak out? Uh, and, yes, some, some people have freaked out, but I think um, it largely has become um, something that uh, has become inextricably linked to, to what, what folks expect when they have uh, a hop forward beer from Chilean. Yeah, was that, is this now, like, your biggest selling beer for you guys, Congress Street? Um, so we actually rotate quite a few different hoppy beers through our portfolio, and um, that's uh, in, in part because we, we're we're learning and experimenting with different types of hops. Uh, we have certain quantities available to us, and only those quantities available to us. The spot market is absolutely insane right now, so we kind of have to stretch things out. Um, uh, but we found that uh, people seem to always gravitate back to uh, beers like Congress Street uh, and some of our double IPAs, yeah. Uh, two questions r- real quick on packaging. One, uh, you do pretty much you do everything in 750s. Uh, was that just more utilitarian, like, hey, this is what we're going to do it and it's the easiest way to do it? And two, who does your artwork? Because your artwork is probably some of the best in the business. <laughs> Thank you, man. Uh, the, uh, the 750ml bottle was a fun function of the need to pick a single format for both our wild program and our clean beers. And uh, out of our 2,300-square-foot uh, brewery in Boston, there really weren't, there wasn't another option uh, other than the 750-mil format for a few you know, basically space considerations. Yeah. We're, we're able to cram a forehead machine in there, and we did off-site warehousing for, for packaging uh, supplies and empty glass and all that kind of thing. And, you know, we bring it in just in time and stage it on the loading dock and bring them in one case at a time and package it, and then that gives them the cold room. So we uh, uh, largely due to space constraints. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, and art wise, man, you guys are killing it. It's you have the, like the sexiest labels on earth, dude. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> That's a weird compliment to take. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, we we try to actually take a, um, a more simple, subtle approach to to our labels and um, and and kind of counterintuitive, counterintuitively, they seem to kind of become more memorable that way uh they're they're not uh they're not screaming at you they're not loud they're not using a bunch of uh neon colors and they yeah. seem to kind of be a little bit more memorable yeah. um but it's really it's a reflection of um kind of the steady and steady pace at which we're approaching um a, a, the brand my buddy kevin uh kevin simo uh he's worked for Hill holiday and a bunch of great firms but he has he had a, a desire to get back to um, a hand-drawn approach and illustration uh, work, and we we worked on this together 
since before Chilliam was, he helped me to create the brand entirely and and the, the homebrew uh, homebrew blog and um, and now he's uh, started his own company. Um, so it's 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 great to actually watch him evolve his own his own uh, pursuits and his own passions alongside yeah. what we do. It just makes it's always made sense to me because when I think of Boston, I think of history, and it's like the old witch, uh, wood etching kind of style art, and I just uh, I've always dug it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we, we're we, gonna have some fun, fun new stuff coming through. We're gonna get a little bit more uh, playful and fun with uh, some of the new art we're gonna come out with. You'll see that in probably in the next couple months. Awesome, can't wait. <laughs> JC, we we thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, man. I love what you guys are doing, and congrats on all the success. And we wish you so much more. And uh, I'm sure we'll be up in the area again to visit. Yeah, give me a shout. I'd love to show you around. Absolutely, Thanks man. For the kind words, guys. I really appreciate it. Hey, not a problem, brother. Cheers. Safe travels. Cheers. Thank you. Enjoy the beers. Bye. Thanks. Thanks. So, absolutely great. I love what they're doing, and just a real easy guy to talk to, too, yeah. which is always a good thing. Yeah, one of those ones you get to talk yeah. for oh, yeah. two hours. Yeah, this could be a two-part show. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, we're going to take a break, and we come back. We have some more beers from Trillium we're going to dig into and just enjoy and get more into all this fun stuff. So stay tuned here on Beer Geeks, WILK. Want to see what you'd look like if you had a flatter belly? Now's your chance, because for a limited time, we're giving away free trials of New Biotics, the new discovery that flattens bloated bellies fast. But hurry and call now while we're still giving it away for free. 1-800-972-6995. Strict limit of one free trial per household. These free trials are reserved for anyone, male or female, who's looking for maximum belly flattening in minimum time. New Biotics is scientifically formulated with natural ingredients to flatten bloated bellies fast by cleansing pounds of rotting food and toxic sludge from your body. It even combats periodic heartburn and acid reflux. So just think how much better you'll look and feel. Want to see what you'd look like with a flatter belly? Now's your chance. But hurry, call now for details while we're still giving these trials of new biotics away for free. 1-800-972-6995. That's 1-800-972-6995. If lines are busy, try again. 1-800-972-6995. Today, how to incorporate your business in just 10 minutes so you won't lose everything if you get sued. Step one, stop putting it off. If you're not incorporated and someone sues your business tomorrow, it's not just your business at risk. You can lose everything, your home, your car, even your life savings. Step two, call the following number for a free 10-minute incorporation guide from incorporate.com. 1-800-973-4886. They don't provide legal or financial advice. They just make incorporating quick and easy. So you can incorporate or form an LLC in just 10 minutes. That number again is 1-800-973-4886. Step three, congratulate yourself. By taking just 10 minutes to incorporate your business or form an LLC, you protected your home, your car, and your life savings. And that is how you incorporate your business in just 10 minutes. But hurry while they're still giving away these 10-minute incorporation guides for free. Call 1-800-973-4886. That's 1-800-973-4886. Hi, this is Tom Greco. If there's one thing we have in common, it's love of mother. If you're lucky to still have mom with you today, or the mother of your cherished family, Mother's Day is the one day each year we treat her to a day out. Janetti's Buffet is a tradition. Seatings begin at 1130 until 2.30. Car prime rib, seafood Newburg, fresh roasted turkey, a full Italian pasta bar, and our fresh bread station. Dessert includes Gus's Ice Cream Bar and Chocolate Fountain, and fresh baked pies and cakes. Decadent. 
Janetti's Buffet and Mother's Day, a tradition. For reservations, call 570-823-6152. When you're on the job, your most valuable resource is confidence. Confidence in your skills, your business, and the finished product you leave behind. At Harvey Building Products, we supply contractors with quality, American-made windows, doors, and more. But more importantly, we supply confidence, the kind that comes with 55 years of doing a job and doing it right. Now save big with free Energy Star glazing on Harvey Vinyl Windows. Visit a Harvey location near you to learn more. Offer valid through July 30th. Restrictions apply. This is WILK, powered by Sherwood Chevrolet in Tunkhannock, PA. Stop by Sherwood to view full lines of Buick, GMC, and Chevrolet. Oh, so much beer. Such a good time. Yeah, this is a... Trillium, man, I had to. I had my first Trillium like a year and a half ago, maybe longer. I don't know. My buddy brought some back, and and uh, and it was really good. But it, it, they keep getting better. Yeah. You could tell they're in, and, and not that it was bad back in the day, not even close. But you could tell they just don't. Re- they're not resting on their laurels. Yeah, they, they definitely got. Progress. They got buzz real fast mm-hmm. in in the best way possible. But they they lived up to it, and now they've they're starting to exceed that. Which is what you would dream of for a brewery yeah. to be able to have that that you're getting to that like you have right out of the gate and we and we've talked and that's why it's interesting with that home brewing background like when we had night shift on last week and then um, even with Treehouse you have these home brewers it, it seems like it's in Massachusetts especially the the home brewing background they built up a following prior to going into it and then just really hit the ground running with it yeah and and, and to expand on what you just said like. We take it, I, I don't know if we're taking it for granted, we're close to the New England area, so we just, we're like, oh, that's where the great beer comes from. Maybe there are other sects of the yeah. world that are like that, but it seems like there's so many creative, really well done brewer, um, beers and brewers and the whole nine coming out of New England. Is it because beer is being, how do I put it? Is it, the beer is being made well, is that why there are more brewers brewing better beer, or is it? A cultural thing is it like New England is inherently more? I, think I don't want to say they're more. They're smarter, but there's a lot more. <laughs> it's a, a higher education. No, they're not smarter. They're they're, they're yeah. vastly dumber. I'm just well, I mean, we're not talking Southie, but yeah. uh, like it's it's it's. Uh, I'm George Zervis. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like I, I think it's more. Yeah. There's it's. It, it, Old institutions of knowledge, universities, there's yeah. smarter people, inherently smarter families, and then you and have there's a lot of more traveling yeah. going on as well. And I, I think part of it, too, and this is just me like on the fly thing, especially with the, as the craft beer scene took off up in that area, really the only area you were able to even get some of the craft, which is like what got me into was the Boston area. Outside of that, it was kind of like a wasteland of that. There wasn't, because there wasn't a lot of reason for a lot of uh, breweries to distribute, which I think, in, and this could be complete wrongness, I don't know, uh, is that it inspired a lot of people to start brewing with themselves, which then just kind of snowballed and they started getting experimental. Because if you're, if, can you, if you could imagine getting into home brewing without all the craft beer around, what would you make? You know what I mean? Like, w- without that world yeah. influencing you, what would that inspire you to do? Like, you had a hoppy beer. Like, well, let's see what else we could do. And, and you don't have those parameters that you're playing in because your your baseline knowledge is different. And so it's going to open you up to be much more experimental. And it also seems like there's, like, there's every comedian's done the joke, but there's, like, jokes that, like, you know, if you want your kid to be cool to grow up, then, and then and, and be into things that you 
want him to hate. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, be like, listen to crappy music so he'll yeah. listen to good music. Yeah. And it's kind of like New England, not saying these people make crappy beer. They don't. It's like New England for the longest time. It was... You know, boss. Uh, you know, Sam Adams, Boston. Uh, it was Harpoon, and then mm-hmm. it was. Uh, I would even say Allagash. And but then you have all these breweries that come out total opposite direction of what all those breweries yeah. make beer wise. It almost seems like what you're saying, which is like we just want something we can't get nor have, so we have to create our yeah. own thing. And it'd be interesting to to, to kind of go back if there's a way to to find like, all right, who's the one that's credited as starting the quote unquote New England hazy IPA? Like, what was your thought process? Like, that would be interesting to kind of go back and take this back to where these some of these things started to kind of get an understanding. Cause, I mean, technically, that's that region is is also credited as being the one that kind of inspired the Black IPA or Cascadian Dark Ale, if you want to get down that path. But that the, in that region is kind of where that style came out of, from a home brewer up in that area, started that whole thing. So, I mean, it, it really is an area that kicks off a lot. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that has a, a reasoning behind that. If you actually, like, sat down and talked to the person who ever made the first Hazy IPA, I would absolutely probably chalk it up to inexperienced. They screwed up. So, and no, seriously, because <laughs> yeah. it's like that thing where it's like, you know, what is it, 20, 30 years ago, people were like, oh, uh, you know, calf's brains are disgusting, or you don't, no, you're not going to eat the tongue, you're not going <laughs> to eat the food, or the foot of an a, a animal, it's all these like, Parts of animals, sorry, vegans, uh, that uh, that um, that are. We disgusting. just lost our large vegan audience. <laughs> <laughs> that are disgusting, but now they're the du jour. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it oh, yeah. used to be like oh, delicacies with all. Oh, you're hazing your beer. You're doing it wrong, yeah. buddy. You're not doing it the right way. That's yeah. not how things are done. All right. Well, what we have now? Let's get into some of what we have right in yeah. front of us, which is uh, from Trillium. This is their Secret Stairs Boston Stout. In, in you know, the brewer, as I said, like is really known, and even JC said, like really known a lot for their their hoppy beers. Like that's really what has branched a lot of people out because that is where people gravitate towards in the craft beer. But this is just an absolutely killer American stout, six and a half percent, and it just it, it, there's so much in this. This is just one of the best stouts I, I've had in a long time. Yeah, uh, a couple things. One, Secret Stairs sounds like an Adley Merchant song. <laughs> Two. <laughs> Wait, 10,000 Maniacs or Natalie Merchant? Uh, post 10,000 Maniacs. Actually, it was probably right when they were arguing. Yeah, right in the right breakup. Now. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Two, <laughs> I, have, I have no idea how he, they, he, whoever uh, made this beer, made this beer as big and bold yeah. as it is at its lower ABV. These are the beers that I covet. I like, you know, great flavor. It's easy to great. Get it's got great a big flavor. mouth feel to it too, it's which is big, incredible. It's flavorful. It's it's non adjunct. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's straight up just beer, and it it, it drinks like it's nine ten percent, but it's not. It's six and a half, and that's beautiful. Just getting that big mouth feel out of it is incredible because that's really where you can uh, see. I don't know, the, the the seams in a beer. Like, you can kind of see, like, all right, well, it, it drinks a little bit like a bigger beer, but it's still got a thinner mouthfeel. Like, no, this this drinks like a bigger beer and has that big, full mouthfeel that you want out of, like, a big, bold stout. And yeah. just coming in at six and a half is incredible. It seems like when a lot of brewers make a, you know, a six, five, six percent beer with, a, a, like, a stout or a porter, and they go roasted malts, it tends to come off a little bit astringent, a yeah. little bit too burnt, almost like a, like a Starbucks coffee. And then the thinness yeah. really comes through on the yeah. back end of that, too, which takes but away this even more. It's so, it's rounded, be- beautiful, big, the whole nine. 
It's a delicious beer. No, it's 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 a great and it's breaking up because what we're we're pouring now into our glass, we're going back into the IPA realm from them. Uh, this is their this is a double IPA from them. This is called Scaled Way Up. Uh, it's an eight percent ABV double IPA, uh, and it's just. It, it, we, we kind of wanted to go up in between that because we had two IPAs back to back. We really wanted to kind of taste this one, so we broke it up a little bit, having like that really. And I, I was surprised because I had never had that stout. I wasn't sure how that was going to be, how full that was. Is it just really kind of breaks this whole thing up, and now kind of get back into this whole profile of it. And again, another kind of hazy look to it. It was really cool. Like I, I was surprised, but also just like really inspired the fact that he said like, yeah, it was, we weren't trying to do anything. Yeah. It just happened. Yeah. It's the best way things happen in general. But yeah, I like it how you're like, oh, we'll take this tiny little stout and throw it in there as like a break. Yeah. And it ends up blowing <laughs> yeah. us away. Yeah. But um, yeah, this is probably, I've, I've had more experience with this beer from them than any other because uh, I've had their base scaled, they had their double dry hop scaled, and then now this. Oh. And uh, yeah, and this, this is not even, I don't know the dates on there, it's not even 30 days uh, up. It was bottled not too long ago. This is like a newer one from them, um, just first done last month bottle last month the first time so it's just it's really it's got that juicy juicy profile that's like really coveted in these kind of beers this is marijuana beer (laughs) (laughs) it is it's the super dank is what it is. Yeah. It's so dank, it's not even funny. But it's it's, it's nice because it's it's the hop choices in this, because I have these in front of me. In, in this, they have Galaxy, Mosaic, Nelson Savine, and Columbus. Yeah. So it, it's not those super dank West Coast. So when we say dank, it's not that, you know, cat pee dank West Coast yeah. IPA. It's just that juicy, like, dankness that has fruit notes in it, but it is definitely dank. It's just not... West Coast dank. Yeah, it's not piney dank. It's not onion dank. Yeah. It's, it's oh, marijuana dank. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's on the pot. Um, it's, but it, it's one of those things where, which is what I was trying to kind of touch on, but we didn't have enough time to talk about, is same ingredients, different result. You know what I mean? You have Everybody has access to every ingredient that goes into this beer, but some people can just make it work in the way that this works. A lot, a lot of people can. Yeah. And that's the point, and that's why the brewery's, he's, you know, obviously he knows what he's doing, and he's, you tell he's just a laid back, cool dude. He's not pretentious, mm-hmm. just wants to make good beer, interesting beer that people want to talk about, and yeah. we're talking about it. And the thing that's fun, too, now with this, you know, it, it, it's not classified as a style of people keep saying, you know, the New England Hazy IPA. It, now, anyone trying to get in on this, there, there's no way you can claim that, like, yeah, I wasn't going for that. It just kind of happened because now it's going to people are going to call you on that e- immediately because it's like, yeah, OK, man, like that's not possible. But you can see that with him. Like he got in there right at that cusp of that. And is kind of one of the brewers and breweries that that brought this more to the forefront because people started having it because he said, you know, some people started freaking out when they first saw that of just like, what the heck is this? Because it's not something people are used to now in this craft beer world, especially the the following that IPAs have. It's really known like it's it's kind of those things that you kind of can't ignore. It's been coming on strong. Yeah, it's what was it? Um, I forget. The, I forget the brewery. It was one of the Portland breweries. When I asked the question, "What do you think about the East Coast IPA?" Remember oh, that? You know, yeah, that and, was um, and uh, Fort George, Fort George. Yeah, and I was like, and you know, he was very, you know, he was thinking about what he's yeah. saying. He didn't really want to throw down, and uh, he was just like, you know, it's just not what we do, and it's not how we believe beer, and that makes me think like this week is you know craft beer uh, conference in in Philly. There's some kind of like. 
like, um, what is it, an anchorman situation where they're all, like, gathering with pipes and bottles and stuff like that, going, like, the Channel 5 news team. It's like it's like a guy. New England IPA guys and then the old school East Coast IPA guys and then the West Coast just, like, and some kind of, like, you know, it, it's going to get, it you know, escalates yeah, quickly. It, 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 <laughs> that's what's going to George, kill the guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, it's interesting to see all this going on and, and these regions. Like, that's what's going to be interesting is, like, is this going to spark, like, are we going to see the... You know, southeastern New England, you know, the southeast IPA, the the Midwest IPA. Is that going? Because I mean, for the longest time, it's just been east west. And then I always called there was some that I would call Midwest that kind of had touches on both, but that wasn't really a thing. But I mean, it was always east and west. I mean, are we going to see more of that? I think I I honestly think so. And I like I've even I've mentioned it in some of my reviews. Like a lot of the um the beers that come out of it, and I make I'm you know tongue-in-cheek kind of about it, but I used to call it the Mid-Atlantic IPA. There's a lot of IPAs that, like, when you're talking about, like, On the Wings of Armageddon or Shapes of Hops Come or some of the stuff that comes out of Carton and Cane, it's it's just strictly all about the oniony, garlicky dankness. Mm-hmm. And I'm been, like, I'm, I've been calling it Mid-Atlantic IPAs. That's yeah. what I've been calling it just because that's where it's coming from. So I think it's going to be like that, you know? All right, so we're rounding this out, ending it on uh, an English porter style. So we're kind of going back away from the IPA, and this is uh, this is the pot and kettle. Uh, it is a an oatmeal porter with coffee, which first, you know right away I'm going to be yeah, into this nah, one. I know why you saved it for last. <laughs> first beer I ever had from them. Oh, really? It was yeah, before? that's that's this. Yeah, which is funny. The first beer we drank today was the first beer you ever had. The last beer we had. Oh, that's true. The first beer I had from them. Well, this is a seven and a half percent ABV. Uh, it. it they have it classified as like an English porter, which to me is is closer to a stout compared to like an American style of porter, which is a little different, a little thinner. Uh, the English tends to be a little more creamy, and it's like a really nice base, and you have the oatmeal in that really beefing up the mouthfeel. So this is one of those porters that, that treads that line of like stout porter kind of feel to it. But the coffee in it just is really nice, just this really rounded, fresh like coffee notes coming through. But it has yeah. this, like, rounded feel to it. There's no astringency whatsoever. Extremely, extremely smooth, which kind of hints of, of chocolate, a little bit of cream dancing in the background. Yeah, they, um, like, just based off memory, this is a beer I think they've tweaked since I had it last. Because I've, I've only had it uh, twice, and it was all in one week when I first had it the first time, like a year and a half. Yeah. And there was that kind of, like, burnt astringency to it. It's not there anymore. Yeah. I don't know if they're uh, refining oh, I'm the coffee sure that, process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure they're always tweaking, but yeah, this is, yeah, it doesn't suck. No, I mean, I keep it, saying that, it, it's, a, it's another great, it, it, it just really is great to showcase the, the breadth of this brewery for what they're known for and then what else they offer to kind of get into these really, you know, knocking out of the park American stouts, an English porter with coffee, just in perfect balance. You know, everything has been super easy drinking and extremely flavorful. Yeah. In, in this way that few breweries I think will ever be able to attain. At reasonable ABVs. Yeah. And that's the big thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, and, and, and they don't rest in their one style. Like they, yeah. they're known for their idea. Yeah. They're all but over the place, I've which had, is great. I've had a rum barrel aged double from them. I've had like wild stuff. You know what I mean? So they're all over the place. Everything. All right. We're getting the hook because we have, there's so much more we can get into with this. All right. So next week, uh, we're going to have dry lag on the show if all things work out. Hopefully, we'll, they'll be here. Dennis, <laughs> tune in. Dennis is Dennis. So we're going to have them. They're from Pittsburgh area. So we're going to have a, it'll be a very fun, Mother's Day conversation. So, till next week, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.